welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to The Life of Jesus. This is our final series, series 14, and the first episode in which Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. All eight episodes in this series uh, concern the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to have a wonderful time as we see how this incredibly complex story and this amazing story uh, comes to its final conclusion with the glorious resurrection of Jesus. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene as the first resurrection appearance and it's recorded for us in John 20 verses uh, 1 to 18 which we're going to study in this episode. But before we uh, come to the resurrection we'll briefly just remind ourselves of what's happened uh, just in the last few days as Jesus uh, has come to the point of being executed by crucifixion. From the beginning of series 11 onwards, we've been looking at the last week of Jesus's life, but I'm going to focus now on the last events from Thursday onwards, Thursday evening. By this time, the religious authorities in Jerusalem had access to information that Judas Iscariot uh, was giving to them, having betrayed Jesus on the Wednesday of that week and decided to work with them for a financial reward in order to secure Jesus's arrest, they have access to information from him. And they're waiting for a time to arrest Jesus. This takes place very late on Thursday evening after the Last Supper. Uh, Judas Iscariot leaves the Last Supper, goes and tells the authorities where he thinks Jesus is going to be a little bit later on, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's at that place that Judas comes with temple guards and uh, Jesus is arrested and taken to the high priest's house where he uh, undergoes a trial of sorts from the Sanhedrin, the ruling Jewish council. They condemn him as a blasphemer and plan to hand him over to the Romans in the morning. Events are moving very fast. Lots of other things happen around this time concerning Judas, who uh, eventually ends up uh, committing suicide in despair after he has a uh, some terrible remorse uh, concerning his betrayal. Peter denies Jesus. Uh, the disciples are scattered. It's a very confusing situation on that Thursday evening. But early on Friday morning, the Sanhedrin and their associates are ready to go straight to the Roman governor's palace, uh, Pontius Pilate, and to ask him to carry out the sentence of execution, which they're not permitted to do by Roman law. Pilate hesitates for a long time, but is eventually persuaded by pressure from the authorities, the religious authorities in the crowd, to execute Jesus. And towards the end of series 13, we studied the death of Jesus in two episodes, and we reflected on some of the extraordinary things that happened uh, during those six hours Jesus was on the cross. We reflected on the seven sayings of Jesus that are recorded in the different Gospels, uh, and the significance of those. And then in the last episode, as we concluded series 13, we uh, saw how uh, the burial of Jesus took place. We noticed that two members of the Sanhedrin who had not agreed with the majority and were secret disciples of Jesus came together uh, and they went to Pontius Pilate as soon as Jesus had died 
and asked for permission to have the body so that they could bury him. These two were Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. We noticed very specifically in the last episode how a number of women who had uh, travelled with Jesus from Galilee gathered uh, at the scene of the crucifixion when most of the male disciples were not recorded as being present. Apart from John, we don't know of any of them being there. But the women were there and we noticed particularly that they took careful note of the site of the burial, which was very near the crucifixion site. And they saw Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and probably servants with them actually burying Jesus in a tomb which was carved out of the rock. And they saw the stone that was placed uh, in the front of the tomb once Jesus uh, was in the tomb. And they saw that whole situation unfolding on uh, Friday evening, somewhere between 3 p.m. and 8 p.m., Jesus's body was buried in that tomb. That's very important for our story now. And the Gospel writers identify Mary Magdalene as one of those women who is present there and one of those women who specifically identified the place of the tomb. Now, as we look through the Gospels, there are six different accounts of the resurrection. And we're going to take note of all these six as we reconstruct the story during the next eight episodes. Four of them are obviously the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, who give us their own information. That's the majority of the information we have. There's also some significant information at the very beginning of the book of Acts in chapter one concerning Jesus's resurrection appearances a little bit later on and towards the time when his ascension took place. And then we have the evidence from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in which Paul recounts very ancient tradition about um, the resurrection appearances and information he received from Peter and others, although Paul wasn't a witness of the resurrection, and he recounts this to the Corinthians in the early part of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, naming some specific resurrection appearances. So that's our sixth source. We'll be keeping note of all of them as we go through. They all view the resurrection from a slightly different point of view, with different evidence and with different emphasis. But as is so often the case with the biblical narratives and the gospel narratives in particular, as we integrate the information, we find an amazing story unfolding. So we're going to integrate all the accounts and particularly the gospel accounts and find how the story unfolds. And we're going to find that a great deal happens on Easter Sunday. We're going to start with John's account. John writes uh, in John chapter 20 concerning the resurrection in the first half of the chapter, very much from the point of view of Mary Magdalene. And she was the one who received the first resurrection appearance. And John tells the story very fully. So we're going to follow the story according to John 20 as the main text for this episode. We'll, we'll first of all read uh, the first 10 verses. Early on the first day of the week, 
While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who'd reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Still, they did not understand the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Very early on the Sunday morning, according to John's account, Mary went to the tomb. It was still dark. It was dawn. Just that time where darkness is turning to light and the very early part of the day. Mary was almost certainly staying in the city and so her journey would be very short, probably less than a kilometre to walk to the tomb, which was just outside the city. Now, Matthew, Mark and Luke describe other women going to the tomb as well. John doesn't mention the other women, but it's clear that they are at the tomb at a similar time. They either travel with Mary or they travel at a similar time to Mary and arrive at a similar time at the tomb. But the story is told here from the point of view of Mary as an individual. And we're going to follow that story now. And in a subsequent episode, we'll follow the story of the other women as told by the other gospel writers. Now, Matthew adds a very important detail in Matthew chapter 28, verses 2 to 4. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now this may well have happened before the women actually arrived. An earthquake, Matthew's already described an earthquake earthquake taking place just at the time that Jesus died, as you may recall from an earlier episode. Here's another earthquake and an angel coming and rolling back the stone and sitting on the stone. Now the guards here are the ones that we saw uh, put in place in the last episode of 
series 13. They are temple guards belonging to the Jewish authorities. Pontius Pilate had, had given them the permission to place an armed guard at the tomb, and here they are. But they were terrified when this miraculous event took place. As we turn back to John's account, we're back in the story of uh, Mary Magdalene, which we're following through. When she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, Mary, on her own, leaving the other women, came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, verse 2, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. The we there is the women generally. She doesn't yet believe in a resurrection. She just thinks that something has happened. Someone's taken the body and she wants to tell the disciples as quickly as possible. She wants them to know that something has happened. Now, the two disciples here are Simon Peter and John. Verse 2, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. In earlier episodes, we've identified uh, John as the disciple whom Jesus loved. This expression is first used in the Last Supper. And John keeps his identity anonymous. He is one of the inner circle, Peter, James and John. He had a particular friendship with Jesus. Jesus confided in him. And he's staying there with Peter in a residence somewhere in the city of Jerusalem, not far away. And they come running down to the tomb. John is fitter than Peter. He arrives first. He looks in the tomb, but he hesitates. Peter comes to the tomb. He doesn't hesitate. He goes into the tomb and then he notices something extraordinary. He notices that the linen cloths with which Jesus was wrapped when he was buried are still there. And the particular separate cloth used for Jesus's head is placed separately there in the tomb. Now, that's a decisive piece of evidence that Peter sees. And then John comes into the tomb um, after being initially hesitant and he sees these linen cloths. And he believes immediately. He realizes this body hasn't been stolen because if the body was stolen, you certainly wouldn't see the cloths there. The whole body would have been taken. No one would possibly have considered any good reason to have taken the clothing off the body. Something miraculous had happened. John began to see that Jesus had risen again from the dead. He hadn't had an appearance of Jesus, but the evidence was pointing very clearly to a miracle that had happened. This miracle is gradually going to become clear to all the disciples and to the women and ultimately to others as well. And then Peter and John the story tells us, return to their lodging. But Mary has come running back to the tomb with them. We can imagine that Mary comes running in after them. John first, then Peter, then Mary. And then John and Peter leave. They go back to their residence. And Mary's left there all alone. The other women have gone off somewhere else as far as we can tell and we'll come back to that story in a subsequent episode. Mary's there 
alone. This is the focus of John's story. What happened to Mary? Let's read the story. John 20 verses 11 to 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he said these things to her. What an amazing transformation in a few minutes. Mary is weeping. She's confused. She's troubled. She's traumatized by what she's experienced on this morning, let alone watching Jesus die on the cross on Good Friday. She looks into the tomb. Two angels are there speaking to her. And then Jesus speaks to her, but she mistakes him for a gardener. And then she recognizes him when he speaks to her using her name. Why was her recognition slow? Was it the bright early morning sunlight? Was it that Jesus wasn't looking at her directly? Was it the tears and the distress and the emotional turmoil that she felt? It could have been any or all of these things. But there came a moment of recognition. And she used the familiar title Rabboni, Rabbi, Teacher, as she recognised who it was. Jesus' words to her, do not hold on to me, basically mean don't cling to me, not don't touch me at all, but don't cling to me. He spoke about his ascension, basically saying that the resurrection guarantees the ascension. He's reassuring her that death has been reversed. He's going back to glory. And everything he said about himself was true. And he asked her to go and speak to the disciples. So Mary rushes back again, her second journey back, just in a very short period of time, back into the city a second time. And she finds the disciples almost certainly she would have gone first to Peter and John's residence. The disciples were probably scattered in a variety of different places. We don't know exactly where they were. It was very early in the morning. Some of them might still be asleep or in their beds. But she comes and she brings the news. I've seen the Lord. 
And so the story of the resurrection begins to spread around the discipleship community very early on that Sunday morning. And it's Mary Magdalene who is the first person to be granted a resurrection appearance by Jesus. John focuses on this dramatic story to begin the account of the resurrection. Let's now reflect a little bit on what we learn from this passage and how it makes us think and how it makes us feel. The first thing to say and to be clear about is to understand the nature of physical resurrection. We're not here talking about a resuscitation of someone who's nearly dead and survives in the tomb narrowly for a day and a half and uh, sort of staggers out of the tomb uh, on his own uh, strength. That's not what's uh, being described here. Neither is this a hallucination or a mystical experience. This isn't something going on just in the mind of the believers, in the mind of Mary Magdalene. She may be very emotional at this time, but that's for very understandable reasons. But her experience is a physical experience. It's a tangible experience. She is quite clear that she has seen the Lord. There is evidence in the tomb that something miraculous has happened. The grave clothes are folded there in the tomb. The grave hasn't been robbed by anybody. Angels have come. God's divine power has come and Jesus' physical body has literally been brought back to life by a miracle. And the body of Jesus is not a ghost. It's as physical as your body or mine. If you saw Jesus as Mary had seen Jesus, you'd be seeing a person that you knew and loved. You'd recognise him by his physical appearance and you would be able to touch him and know that he was um, entirely physical. I'll be making this point again in other episodes, but it's very important to understand that the biblical doctrine of the resurrection of the body is about the physical body. It's not about the immortality of the soul. It's not about psychic experiences or mystical experiences or hallucinations. It's about something physical that happens. There was a body that was dead and that body has now been raised to life. And as we go on and find out more about Christian doctrine later on in the New Testament, we find out that Jesus' resurrection is described by Paul as the first fruits, the first example and the first results of the power of salvation coming to the human race. And he goes on to teach that Christians will experience physical resurrection too as a result of the work that Christ has done. What happened to Jesus will happen to us. Our bodies will die, but be raised again in physical resurrection. That will be the completion of eternal life. The New Testament teaches this will happen 
at the time when Jesus returns, the second coming. It's an amazing miracle that we see here. And it's interesting that the first resurrection appearance is granted to a humble female disciple. We identified Mary Magdalene earlier on when we looked at uh, Luke chapter 8 and Luke describing a series of female disciples and followers of Jesus who went around with the with Jesus and the apostles uh, while Jesus was preaching and teaching and supported them using their finances to provide for the practical needs of the traveling group of disciples and Mary Magdalene was one of those and we find out that she'd been rem remarkably healed by Jesus from some evil demonic presence in her life she's a very faithful disciple and she's traveled all the way from Galilee to Jerusalem she's been on the road for some weeks or months she's been with Jesus every day during this fateful week and seen him in the temple and seen him perform miracles and seen him teach and she was there when he died on the cross and she saw the place where he was buried. And now she's granted the first resurrection appearance. This is a firm endorsement of female testimony and female discipleship that God himself should grant to a humble, otherwise insignificant female disciple. The opportunity and the responsibility of being the first to see the risen Christ. And she very quickly told the story to the disciples. Now, if John himself was present in this story, then it's not surprising that he emphasises it. If he was one of those two disciples to whom Mary went, and one of those two disciples who ran back to the tomb, and one of the disciples who heard Mary's testimony when she said, I've seen the Lord. It's not surprising that he uh, places this story firmly at the centre of the resurrection account. Mary Magdalene's account is also confirmed by uh, Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel ends in, at Mark 16, verse 8 which uh, identifies the beginning of the resurrection appearances, but he doesn't continue and tell the story of the resurrection in any detail. Scholars disagree as to the reason for that. Either it was a decision to end the gospel there or the final end of the gospel has been lost. But an addition was added, which is not scripture in the full sense of the term, but has been added as a respected tradition which summarises many of the resurrection appearances described in the other Gospels. And that goes from Mark 16 verses 9 to 20. And Mark 16 verses 9 to 11 summarises uh, what we have described. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he'd driven seven demons. She went and told those who'd been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. 
So here we have an interesting paradox with which we're going to end this episode. Mary is convinced. John believes that Jesus has risen from the dead in an indirect sense, having just seen the grave clothes in the tomb. But the other disciples, as yet, do not believe that the physical resurrection has taken place. That will all change in a very short period of time. And we'll be following the story of the further resurrection appearances in our next episodes. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.